I am so glad that you are joining Cindy LeFevre Yorks for this episode of His GPS for Your SOS. We pray these encouraging words will enrich and bless your day. Harnessing Irrationality Next time you see someone muttering to themselves, take a moment before you pass judgment, because you talk to yourself all the time. I often tease my husband about his moving lips whenever he mutters to himself. I admit that I, too, am guilty of that kind of self-talk. Okay, so it isn't always audible, but it does occur all the time in your head. Rare are the times our minds are completely devoid of thought. Even when we're sleeping, the subconscious mind is trying to make sense of all the thoughts and emotions that you've had that day, or even in the years or perhaps decades long past. I learned something during the pandemic as my thoughts ran as wild as a runaway train. I learned that my mind is not as sound as I thought. I discovered that my thoughts are far more wayward than I ever imagined. I also realized, and this is a hard one to admit, that my mind is far more corruptible than I ever imagined it was. Like a computer unprotected by potential viruses, my mind, as it turned out, does not have the Norton equivalent level firewall that I thought it did. I tell you this not to shock or surprise. I confess it because I am trying to make the point that we are not the best judge of our minds. Our thoughts need to be harnessed and categorized into three camps. Rational thoughts, irrational thoughts, and thoughts and leadings from God. The best example in the Bible of someone who found himself overtaken with irrationality was King Nebuchadnezzar. In Daniel 4, 28-36, we read about how in one moment the king was boasting about the glory and splendor of all he'd built. When a voice came from heaven, Daniel recorded these words, You will be driven away from people and will live with wild animals. You will eat grass like an ox. Seven times, and we aren't exactly sure what that means, but it's a time period, will pass until you acknowledge that the Most High God is sovereign over all kingdoms on earth and gives them to anyone He wishes. Now that was quite a comeuppance. As I was writing this and pondering the verse about holding every thought captive, I was moved to go into my room and close the door and lay myself flat and give over to God an area of my life I'd been neglecting to give Him sovereignty over. I don't say this to boast. I say it to reinforce the point that we are not the infallible judge when it comes to what we think. We need to be praying that His ways, God's ways, match up with our ways, and His thoughts match up with our thoughts. Did you know that there are over ten proverbs about overthinking? Are you guilty of doing that? I know I am. Some rational thoughts, like daily tasks, chores, and errands, don't need to fall into a category of overthought, and usually they don't. With determination, you can knock those kind of to-dos off your list without excessive overthought. It's actually the thoughts with emotional components that are tougher to master. But that, too, is not impossible. It helps us to remember that we are living for an audience of one. We need to relinquish approval addictions. We can test a thought against what God says or would think about it. Paul reviews this process in Galatians 1.10. Am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Or am I trying to please people? If I were trying to please people, I would not be a servant of God. That's what it really boils down to. Who are we serving? Are you serving yourself by indulging your every whim? Are you indulging a people-pleasing part of yourself? We don't have to be a slave to either of those things. In Romans 12.2, we are encouraged by Paul not to conform to the patterns of this world, but instead to transform ourselves by the renewing of our minds. 
Once we've done that, we can test and determine God's good, pleasing, and perfect will. Join me in identifying and listening for leadings from God as we discern, deliberate, and sometimes dispense of our thoughts with our wonderful Counselor's wisdom at the forefront of our admittedly fallible minds. When it comes right down to it, we just need to be still and wait for God to illuminate our minds and direct our next steps. The Lord will fight for you. We need only be still. And that's from Exodus 14.14. I'd like to read now an excerpt from my first book, The Side Door, Consistency with Quiet Time. Much is made of the so-called mountaintop experience with God. You may have experienced a quiet time when God spoke and ministered to you in an exhilarating way, leaving you as elevated as a helium balloon and so full of joy you felt as if you might burst. But if you are faithful in your quiet time, meeting with the Lord daily, as you might be doing now, you know that your daily encounters with God are not necessarily going to leave you full of helium. I spent most of my life entrapped in a feelings-driven existence until I was able to break free from those bonds and cling instead to the truth and promises rather than my emotions. The truth of God and all He is and all He's promised has indeed set me free. And that's from John eight 32. I'm no longer a slave to emotion. Quiet time with God needs to be consistent to center our hearts and minds. When it is, it will be characterized by mountaintop mornings, intermingled with less emotive but nevertheless productive time spent with Him. Systematically internalizing God's Word fills up your reservoir for use on a dry day sure to come your way in the future. The lack of an emotional high in your quiet time is not an indicative aspect of its effectiveness. I remember one year I was feeling particularly deflated. Alone and unchecked with my negative thoughts, I experienced a season of paranoia. My people-pleasing existence kept me from fully enjoying the depth of God's love and recognizing that His love is critical to achieving a spiritual fulfillment. One day as I was reading my Bible, I began to meditate on the beautiful truths of Ephesians three seventeen to 18 And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power, together with all the Lord's holy people, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. Though I have seen it many times before, this time the words scream, though I had seen this many times before, this time the words leapt off the page in front of me. I resolved then and there to meditate on those verses frequently, quietly, and consistently. I taped a printout of them to my medicine cabinet and wrote them in my study book and marked it in my iPad. I made it my prayer for a year that, with God's help, I would internalize His perfect love. I'm here to tell you that this prayer was answered. Whenever a seemingly insurmountable emotion of unworthiness comes over me, I remind myself that I am a daughter of the King. His love for me is all I need to face life's daily challenges. When I look back on two decades of studying God's Word, I can't honestly say I have instant recall and optimum application of every verse. But what I can say is that my overall faithfulness to persevere and study and meditate on these truths has built up a wellspring of God's wisdom that I would not have been able to cultivate any other way. If I had simply amassed a handful of mountaintop experiences without the benefit of daily bread, if I had simply amassed a handful of mountaintop experiences without the benefit of daily bread, 
spiritual malnutrition would have set in. And the keys to kingdom living are persevere to read and apply God's truth with consistency. And the doorpost is they rose early in the morning and worshiped before the Lord. 1 Samuel 1, 19. Thank you for joining us today for this episode of His GPS for your SOS. Cindy also posts encouragement daily on Instagram. Her blogs can be found on her website, cindyyorks.com. Her entire Door Devotion trilogy is now available on Amazon.